How, how many are ready to, for the Word of God this morning? Yeah, so in April we're doing a series called It Is Finished. And in It Is Finished is the words that Jesus proclaimed as his last words before he took his last breath on the cross. And basically, uh, just to kind of uh, paraphrase a little bit of what he said, um, at this point he says that Jesus had known that he had completed everything. He had accomplished his mission, what he came to earth to do. And, and at that point, this is after bru- he was brutally beaten up, hurt, called names, ridiculed, you name it, shame, put in public shame and whatnot for something he did not do, for for something that you and I did, he went on the cross. And his last words, he says, it is finished. It is finished, and then he says that he, he actually took his last breath. And we sang today, even the last song we sang, that, that kind of retells the same story and, and proclaims the story. Uh, it, when Jesus went on the cross, I want to tell you something. And when he came, it wasn't just a historical thing for, that we read in the, in the Bible and wait for uh, something in the future future, which we look forward to. What he did on the cross has meaning in our lives every day. That what he did on the cross, what he did on earth has a meaning in our lives right now. And, and Jesus went on the cross, and what he did there, he conquered everything that, 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 everything that, that you and I could ever face in our lives. Now, the last battle he won, the last enemy he won, if you would, is the enemy of death. Now, when you think about death, it's, it's very final. When it comes, you feel like, oh my goodness, you know, if you ever lose a loved one, and that moment hits you, you realize, I'm never going to see them again. And those times where you, you, you maybe think about a person and uh, you, you will ho- wish that they were there. You wish maybe they, they would see your kids. They would wish to see how your life panned out. You know, because it has this sense of finality in it. Uh, and Jesus says, and even death, he came and conquered that because he says that is not the end of the story. And that's the hope we live in. That's why I'm so excited about loving Jesus and knowing who I am in Christ. And all of us should be in that place where we realize that we have a relationship with God, that that death is not the final chapter of our story. Now, if you don't have that steadfast assurance, if you don't know Jesus in that personal way, it can be very scary. But I'm here to declare this morning that even death, he conquered Even death, he says, that's not the last chapter. The book is still being written. He says, whoever is in Christ, though he dies, he shall live again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. How many are excited for that? That's a great thing to live by. Now, I want to take you back to the story in the gospel. Today is Palm Sunday, by the way, if you hadn't got the put two and two together yet. And, and, and I want to take you back to Jesus' story. Before the declaration of it is finished, I'm taking you back about a week, okay? Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is the story. Um, this story is covered by all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them did cover this story. Um, um, and it's a story where we get... Uh, uh, this tradition called Palm Sunday from, okay? But, uh, but I want to share today a second part of our message, and that I'm going to subtitle this Winning with Praise. Winning with Praise. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read 
You know, I could paraphrase this, but it's better just to read it from the Bible. Chapter, uh, verse 29. Now, it, this is talking about Jesus. It says, And he came to the towns of Beth, Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead. And he said, Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that, has no one, that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord has need of it. Well, you try that. <laughs> Go downtown and get someone with a Ferrari that parked there. Because the donkey right there, you know, you got to put that into today's perspective. The guy bought a new Ferrari. And he's throwing it off down. And then you come in and say, hey, dude, hey, <laughs> give me the keys. Oh, don't even ask. Just take the keys from him and get in. What are you doing? Can you imagine? Well, the Lord needs it. That would be awesome, right? You might end up in the ear. But uh, you get the picture. So they went and found the colt, and just as Jesus had said, verse 32, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, what do you think you're doing? I added a few adjectives in there. It wasn't there. Because uh, the Bible is so subtle sometimes in some things. What are you doing untying that? You know, you know very well that's not what happened. And maybe that guy was just a lot nicer than many of you today. God help you. <laughs> As the disciples <laughs> replied and said, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, over it for him to ride on. As he rode along the crowd, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached that place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along and praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on, in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. You know, if you've been in church for a long time and if you read from other translations, it says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That, that New King James puts it that way. But the Pharisees among the crowd, they say, Teacher, you need to rebuke your followers saying these things, things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Or you might think of another verse that says, if they keep silent, the rocks will cry out. Yes, yes. In other words, I love what the kids were singing. Awesome in this place. Jesus, you're awesome in this place. Worthy to be praised. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. You will be praised. God's going to be praised because God is God. He's either going to be praised by me or going to be praised by anything else. He says even the trees clap their hands. Creation praises him. Yeah. Angels are continually before him praising God. And he's saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to be part of the game. So it's like, decide. He says, if they keep silent, even the rocks will cry out because you will be praised. Is that me? Yeah. Sometimes I make noises like that, just so you know. <laughs> Do I need to change my mic? Maybe. It's good now. Okay. Can I just, can I just check? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Can you thank Judy? Uh, she get... 
Is that better? Maybe. I don't know. Praise God. You know, Satan doesn't want me to preach. I'm just blaming Satan, even though it's just a battery or something like that, you know. But anyway, so Jesus is teaching the people and he's teaching us in this story. So I want you to think about Jesus this way. He could have come and died the first day he came. He could have come as an adult already made, you know, and he did show up. If you read the Bible well enough, you know that Jesus did show up a lot as an adult. They just didn't know he was Jesus. We can read back and see, you know, there's a king in Genesis that's talked about. His name is Melchizedek. Uh, his name is Melchizedek, and, his, and uh, uh, he was a, they say no one ever knew where this guy came from, but he was a unique kind of king because he was a king and he was a priest. And so he was a king and a priest, showed up, Nobody ever knew where he came from, and nobody ever knew where he went from. He went. Well, in Hebrews, it puts a connection. It says Jesus is the priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is the guy that just never was born, never showed up, came in as an adult. Jesus walked among us. And Abraham is the guy that met, uh, met uh, uh, Melchizedek. When he did, Abraham took a tithe of everything he owned. And give it to you. That's the first time you hear the word tithe in the Bible. Where someone took all his possessions, all his money, and he tithed and worshipped this guy. How did he know that? You know, Jesus, God had revealed himself to him. So, um, uh, that was even before the law, that was before Moses, before the Ten Commandments. Melchizedek was there. And, and, and Adam's way of expressing his gratitude, he took 10% of everything he owned and gave it to him as an offering. And then it says, Melchizedek disappeared. Back to the story. Jesus came in as a baby, and I want you to think about it this way. Because he wanted to walk the experience, the human experience with us. So that everything that you and I ever go through, he experiences. Because he's, when he said he's finished, he's saying, I'm taking care of every business in your life. You know, if he came as an adult, we'll say, Jesus, you know, I appreciate that, God. That's really good. It's very nice of you to die for me. But you are never a kid. You don't know how to grow up in a broken family. You don't know how to grow up in a place where kids pick on you in school. You don't know what that does to your, to your psyche and how that affects who you are. I'm going to change my mic now if I can find one. The other side? Okay. You don't know that. You just don't get it because you're God. Okay? How many know that that could be easy to say, you, don't, you can't really relate with my situation? Give me just one moment, people. I know I could do it without a mic. There we go. Just let me turn it on, Judy. Hello? Good. Yeah. There we go. So he says, you know, we could easily dismiss it that he doesn't identify with us. You think about babies. I've had nine of them so far. <laughs> They're the most vulnerable, dependent human beings on earth. If they're not taken care of, they don't know how to do nothing. Now, I know that's horrible English right there. Kwame is going to spank me, give me an F or, <laughs> you know. But they don't know how to do anything. And God comes into our world not as this majestic person that can do everything, 
He comes as a vulnerable baby that is completely dependent on grown adults to take care of him. The reigning king at the time where he, when he was growing up got so threatened by the prospect of this kid that's been born somewhere in the kingdom that everyone says a king has been born. That he says, I want to make sure that I take that baby down before he ever grew up, grows up and takes my place. And Joseph and Mary would have to run from their country just to protect that baby. Are you getting the picture? That God put himself in that place. He didn't have to, but he did it for you and me. And he did it because when he says he's finished, he says, I'm identifying with everything that was lost on the day that Abraham, Adam and Eve sinned. And he says, by one man, sin entered the world. And it completely changed the prospect of the human experience. And I'm going to restore so that you get to experience what you were meant to experience. To begin with, we were never made to die. God created us to live. He created us for relationship. He didn't make us the same as everybody else. Yes, our physical self, this physical shell, he says that he formed that from the earth. So, 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 the, so the, 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 the chemical properties will identify with things here on earth when it comes to our body. So we can be matched up with everything else that's out there because he says he formed us from the dust of the earth where he bought all the goats and the pigs and everything else. But he put something different in you and I that all the animal kingdom does not have. He says that God breathed, he formed man out of the uh, dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. So he put his spirit inside of us because he created us different than everybody else. Don't let anybody lie to you that you're maybe 99% closer to this animal and all that. That's a lie, it's garbage. You are a child of God, created in the image of God. You have a DNA of God inside of your life. He put his spirit inside of your life. And our enemy, the devil, wants to corrupt that inside of us and makes us think of ourselves less of who we are so that we get to ex our experience on us is way short, way beneath what God had intended for us. And Jesus came to reverse that and he went on that cross. He made himself vulnerable. They did not take his life. He gave his life for you and I. And when he did, he says, it is finished. I've got it done. And now you and I have access to God's presence. One of the ways we, we walk through this walk, and this is what I'm, I'm sharing today. One of the, one of the keys that to living that life of victory that Jesus desires for you and I, he wants us to be people of praise. So verse 40 I read there, as these kids, it's kids that started proclaiming and singing Hosanna. When they're saying all these things and they're getting excited, they're shouting, they're saying, man, glory to God, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're, and they're saying some stuff that's praising God. It's like they had a revelation. But the religious people that knew more had a problem with it. I'm going to come to their defense a little bit here. I know they weren't just, oh boy, I can't use that word at church. They weren't just horrible people. They were literally scared. They says, do you realize what these kids are doing? Now, I think in, because uh, um, uh, what Jesus just did when he got that cold 
coming down. He was fulfilling a prophecy spoken by Zechariah in the Old Testament in Zechariah 9.9 that says your king will come riding on a donkey. And these guys are thinking, how dare he put on such a show? And how dare he accept them, allow them to do all this to him? Who does he think he is? Because now he's comparing himself to God. Well, well, they didn't know that Jesus was God, but they were looking at him just as a man, as a prophet, and says, man, teacher, you got to tell him to stop. Hash him out. Those kids don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are saying. You need to stop them from saying these things. That's only reserved for God. And you got to approach God differently. You've got to be a lot more holy, not be reckless. And Jesus looks at them and says, hey, actually you think these kids have it wrong, but they've got it right. Taking back to a couple quotes from Jesus in the past, where they wanted to kind of scatter the kids, where they thought the kids were messing up. And, uh, and Jesus says, no, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't let the kids go. Don't get all worked up because the kids are in here. How many felt? How many were distracted? You don't raise your hand. <laughs> because they, you're singing and worshiping, but the kids are they're pulling your pants and uh, and and you get unfocused. Jesus says, "That's that's cool with me." Jesus says, "I kids don't bother me that way. In fact, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, I want you to take a look at those kids. I want you to take up their innocence. I want you to take up their faith. I want you to take a look at how they easily forgive and forget and move on. I want you to see their resilience because some kids grow through very hard things, but then they come through life thinking, man, I came from here, but I can make a life out of myself. I want you to, to, to look at these kids and you can learn one or two things about the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is for such as this. So he says, the kids have got it right to begin with. And he says, because God wants us to be people of praise. He said, if you kept them silent, if you prohibit them from praising God, if you cause them not um, to, to withhold that praise from them, they're going to live as people who don't praise, who don't even understand what praise is, but God still will be praised because even the rocks will cry out. All creations grows in pants and praises God. I mean, he, he made a universe that is continually in motion. I mean, I think that notion is a notion of praise, of declaring how great, how awesome, how majestic, how beautiful, how incredible God is. It's a con constant reminder of who he really is. But why do we need to get on this game of praise? Why does he want us to be in it? Because praise brings victory. Yes. Yes. Praise is not for God. We don't make God any better or any worse than he is. God is God and is God alone. He's standing on a whole class by himself. Nothing we do, ever do or not do would ever change who he is. For he says he is God, the one who was, the one who is, the one that is to come. The ancient of days. He has no beginning, he has no end. A very hard concept for us to even grasp sometimes. Because we are confined in a planet that has a beginning and end. We 
have the system set up when the sun, we turn to the sun this one side, we show the sun our back, it's not time. When it shows up on the other side, it's daytime. We're cycle and we go through seasons, how we go around the solar system and we know. And so we are able to demarca put demarcations on time and define that as a day, that as a, as a, as a month and that as a, uh, as a year and all that and we go through seasons. And so we are confined and we are wired to think in that limited time when, uh, with the concept of time. And God does not live in that concept of time as we define it. So when we think, when it's like, where, 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 where did God start? It is beyond our comprehension. If you get even an ounce of understanding, you'll be fried because you don't have the capacity to even understand. But he says when our resurrected body one day when we're in Christ, we'll be able to see him face to face. And at that point, we will understand because we will have the mind of Christ, we'll have an understanding. All that to say, the praise really is given to God who is worthy, but God's allowing us to be a part of praise for us. Now, don't switch my words here. I didn't say we praise for ourselves. But God's allowed us because our praise, it helps us to get out of self. He makes something else bigger than me, myself, or I. It acknowledges that I humbly walk beneath an authority that's higher than I. See, he rides on a donkey as a sense, as an as a, as a image or a picture of humility. See, in those days, when a king, horses would, the kings would go to war with horses and chariots and all that. But if she shows up in a donkey saying, hey, I'm not coming here to cause any problems or anything, I come in peace. So the prince of peace walks in a donkey and says, hey, there's a battle. It's already been won. You don't have to fight any longer. I bring my peace. And he said, my peace I give unto you. Not the peace that this world gives you. The peace from above. When he gets it from above, no one can take it away from you. Not that annoying co-worker, not the boss that doesn't understand anything. If your peace comes from God, it can never be taken from you because my peace I give unto you. He says, I want you to be people of praise. I want you to learn how to praise because praise will propel you into new heights. Faith will help you overcome the challenges that you're going through in your life. Sometimes you can't see the end from the beginning, but praise will allow you to rise up into God's perspective. Not that your situation has changed, but now you're looking at it differently and you're able to take that next step even when you can't see the whole staircase. That's why the psalmist says that those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. That they will be able to mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. What does that mean? Is that as I enter, become a person of praise. When I praise God in every circumstance, when I look at ways to just give God glory, it elevates me to be able to see things from an ego's perspective. Even though my circumstances might still be exactly the same, my bank account might still be, I might still show I'm broke, my health might not be good yet, my, my, my kids might not be where I want them to be, I might not be at the job that I need to be, but, 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 but now I'm not freaking out. Yeah. 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 
I have peace because I know that the steps of the righteous are directed of God. I can walk with confidence in my life even though I don't know an answer from A to Z. I just have to trust and take the next step and know that the Lord is with me. And he said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Psalm 23, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. I can have peace. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can see text steps ahead, but I know as I walk, surely, goodness and mercy are following me. Satan doesn't want us. He wants to silence our praise. He wants to silence your praise. He wants you to, when, when you do well, he wants you to brag about it. He wants you to feel really good about yourself. But a praise person, we do hear congregational praise and worship. That's what we sing as we do, shout as we do. And the songs are really a prayer of declaration of who God is. But it starts with a heart that acknowledges that everything I have is yours. Yes. Everything I've ever done. Everything I have is yours. I could be in a way much worse place, but you kept me. I've messed up a million times, but you sustained me. You've kept saved me from myself sometimes. And so God, I can't help it, but give you praise with my life. The success I had, the win I had, it's like, no, God, thank you for giving me the strength. Thank you for giving me the, 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 the talent, the gifting. Thank you for give, making me stand out above my peers. Thank you for giving me favor in that opportunity. Thank you. So you live with that humble attitude, right? The donkey style, if you would, not the horse style. <laughs> Things are going the opposite way side of the spectrum. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. God, you promise that you will separate, you, you promise that you will sustain me. You promise that if I hold on to you, I know that you uh, love me. Your love for me is everlasting. You love me in my good places. You love me in my bad places. Your love for me is constant. It's unconditional. It's all time. And so I could dwell and just celebrate your goodness even when I have very little to celebrate about. At the minimum, I just celebrate you for who you are. How do I become a... Very quickly, how do I become a person of praise? How do I win with praise? Well, one, one of the first things, and it's just a, strong, a good principle here, if you are uh, taking any notes here, is... Get to a place in your life where you're always giving God your best. Don't give him the leftovers. Give him your best. That makes you a praise person. That helps your heart, the condition of your heart and your mouth, to always put God first. We have this tradition in our family with our kids. I don't even remember how we started it, but it's just become a tradition. So every night when we sit down for dinner, we talk. And so one of the things that we go around the table talking about is like, hey, just two questions first. Tell us about your highs 
and your lows today. Yeah? And we're just talking, she's like, man, my high was, man, I enjoyed the sunshine, it's amazing, kids like to play outside or whatever. Or my, my low was I stubbed my toe. Or my low, my brother was mean to me, you know? And even the one-year-old and two-year-old, they tell us uh, their highs and lows. What's your high? What's your low? I was like, I get it. It's good. They speak in tongues. They speak in language, you know, early. They feel, feel the spirit early. I remember one day I came home and we're talking and everybody's going through their highs and lows. And I, so my low was like, guys, I had a to-do list when I left this morning. And I didn't get any of it done. Have you ever had one of those days? I'm like, you planned out your day and nothing. I mean, nothing. You're on the phone fighting with people charging you for things you didn't, you know, and you're just going through this cycle. I'm like, it's time to go home. It's like, and I got nothing accomplished. And I'm just thinking, man, that was a low for me. And I, and, and I, I'm thinking through this whole day and I'm taking an analysis of the day. And I realized because I had so much on my plate that day, my personal prayer time that morning, is like I, the time that I had to spend with God, gathering the word, pray with him, I kind of did one of those drive-through numbers. Yeah, I'll take a number three. Yeah, you're not even, it's so lazy. You know, sometimes you could go to like a McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or whatever and you say, hey, I want this, this and that and you create your own thing. At least you've expanded it some, some energy into thinking about what you're putting in. But those lazy days, you just drive in and says, give me a number five. Doesn't take a lot of thinking or thought or anything. They did it for you, right? It's easy. We like it. And, I, and, I, and sometimes we do those types of prayers and sometimes of uh, devotion with God. And I look back and I realize, I started my day wrong. I gave the Lord a quick drive through not even be creative in the drive through I just, uh, I give me a number one, Lord, I'm good. I got this done and then I'll connect with you later. And I realized that that actually was the genesis, that was the beginning of my horrible day. I gave God the least I could possibly, I gave him crumbs and leftovers. And so I wasn't in the spiritual state where God can say, hey, you probably don't need to make that phone call. It might waste your time. I mean, I was thinking, it's nice when God keeps you from something that will really waste your time. Because God speaks to us. He wants to help us in our everyday life. He'll put the brakes for you on your behalf, and you're like, hey, thank God you put the brakes on me, because if you want to put the brakes there, this would have been turned out just so different had it not been for the Lord. How many have had those moments? Say, so, man, I dodged that so quickly. And they think, no, I didn't dodge it. God took care of me. He, looked, he watched over my back when, when I didn't know what was set up for my day. And that's a principle you see in the Bible, and I alluded to it earlier when I talked about Melchizedek. Uh, <clears throat> the Israelites, ancient Israel, were taught to always put God first. Everything you do, you put God first. You put God first in your money, you put God first in your time, you put God first in your business. You know, when you're setting up something, it's like, hey, I get that paycheck. It's like, I'm not right paying all my bills, doing everything I'm doing, and then, 
hey, do I have money to give to the Lord? No. It's like, no, before I ever do anything, yes. I put God first. My day. You know, studies are showing that the first thing, so many people, the first thing we look at in the morning, our cell phone, you got it, you're so smart. But the first thing, you wake up, turn around, and the first thing we give, the first affection, the first ounce of your brain power that morning, cell phone. And you say, oh, hey, Pastor, but I got my Bible in my cell phone. But I mean, no, you got to check your Bible in the first cell phone and all the social media posts and all the different news and the game, who won last night? That game was too late. And before you know it, just distraction, distraction, and then you never give God the best part of you. And we could alter a little bit and be more intentional to putting God first in our lives. And that's really, in essence, is you're the person that means, when you're the one that means everything. And when we are part people of praise, we start winning. When we put God first, we start winning. You put God first in your finances, you start winning. You put God first in your time, you start winning. You put God first in your, with your family, you start winning. You put God first in your job, you start winning. You put God first and you become a winner. Because God's never lost a single battle. And he never will, just so you know. Second thing makes us a personal prayer. I'm going to go through these two through things very quickly. We need to make the most of every opportunity that we have. Let's, let me pick on congregational um, uh, praise and congregational worship, you know, because <clears throat> today we had this. Have you ever showed up at church? And you just showed up because you're a good Christian. Or you want to think of yourself as a good Christian. And then you go through the whole thing and just kind of go through the motions and all that. You never really get into it. And you go home. Everyone's so excited. It's like, oh, wow, I'm so fired up. You have nothing. And you could be just physically tired or anything. So maybe you had a hard week or things are not going well. But then you miss out on something that God's doing at the moment. You miss out on that. When we have times like this where we come together, it's time where we, the Bible says congregation, joining with the saints, and there's a sense of faith that comes when we build up and start declaring the things that we were declaring this morning. You know, remind me of the last song we sang. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord our God. It's a declaration. Because you might not be feeling it today. You might have been roughing it today, but you're saying, you know what, Satan? You might have kicked me left and right, but I don't care how hard you hit me. I'm still going to praise the Lord. I'm going to lift up his name. I'm going to be declare. And what you're doing, you're giving them some knockout punches. He's trying to get you maybe with your life. He's trying to get you with your finances. Maybe things are not going well in the marriage at that time. He says, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord because eventually we'll go through this because God will see me through this. You're making a, a faith declaration and you're overcoming what the enemy wants to do in your life and God will turn around the things that the enemy had intended for evil in your life and turning them around for good. All of a sudden you're like happier than you were because you made a declaration and it's a fight that you end up winning because you made a choice and you were deliberate and intentional in praising God. And my last one, as I close, that makes you a person is, 
be free from the religion and traditions. Determined to be free from religion and traditions. These guys that saw those kids singing praises to God, Hosanna, and they're getting all crazy and wild, they were so upset they wanted Jesus to put a stop to it. He says, you don't let those kids do that. But why were they so upset? They loved their religion so much that they were, became slaves to religion. Or they loved their tradition so much that they, without knowing, became slaves to it. Is all religion bad? Absolutely not. Bad theology, when they say all religion is bad, it's not. There's religion that's pleasing to God. The Bible validates that. Are all traditions bad? No. There's some traditions that are really good. But don't be a slave to it. Because they missed, going back to my last point a little bit, they missed their hour of opportunity. So Jesus rode into Jerusalem wanting to bless the city and he looked over the city. If you kept reading more than I just read this morning, he looked at it and he cried over it because he was bringing blessing but they missed out because they were so hang up on their traditions and their religion that they missed out on their visitation. And we can run into the same problems. And so, here's the thing. They miss God. They miss their moment. Because their tradition had held them. A few years ago, yeah, maybe, maybe not a few, I remember having this moment of, of revelation of what becoming a praise and a worshiper was when it became real personal to me. And it was an experience I had at a church in Nairobi, Kenya, where I grew up. I was just starting to follow the Lord as a, as a teenager. And we're going through a service, and people are singing and clapping, and it was very energetic and very, very lively service. And then we went to that quiet moment of worship. This is where I think Oprah calls it aha moment. I don't know if that's from the Bible or not. <laughs> and as the music is going on and people are singing, are praying and worshiping, I feel this urge to get on my knees and just lift up my hands and worship God freely. But the very first thing that went through my mind is like, what are, first of all, what are these people gonna think? I'm gonna think I'm uh, crazy. I, I, I'm just going through that. Nobody knows this, but it's going through my mind. I think, what a crazy guy is this. I, I'm thinking that, I'm, I, okay. Second thing, back then I used to dress as nice as Matthew Church, maybe. And so I had had this nice suit, man, coming from the dry cleaners, 
And where we met, we met in this dirty old stadium in the middle of a, of a, of a slamish area. That's, uh, so people came in and played soccer the night before and left their beer bottles and everything out. And it was muddy. There was, it, was not, it was paved probably 1945 and never got repaired. The road to that place after that. You know, you get the picture. And so the whole place, it was a nice carpet or padded carpet in front that we have here. If you want to kneel down, I'm thinking, i got a nice suit here. I want to kneel on. And I remember, there's two weird little things keeping me. From like I'm thinking, I'm checking out. I, those dudes, he probably thought I'm a, some kind of dignified guy. Look at that suit. And then you can see me acting like a lunatic, maybe in my own head. And I'm wrestling, and I remember that moment. To this day, how I says, God, I want to praise you so much. I don't care what the next person thinks of me. Because what they think of me really at the end doesn't really matter. And I don't, it doesn't matter if my suit gets dirty. You provide for me anyway. And I got on my knees. I stretched my arms. And I just started expressing what, what, what I was feeling inside of me towards God. And tears just came down my cheeks. I had such an awesome moment of encounter and connection with God that I'd ever experienced in my whole life that I remember today how it felt like. Yes. And there was some freedom that came with that that I can not even describe fully how that did. And it changed the way I praise God. It changed my passion for God. It changed how I went anywhere. I could be the only guy raising their arms before God. And I don't care. Because at the end of the day, human, human opinion means this much. Nada. Zero. Nothing. And we get ourselves so worked up to please people. And we lose out on the goodness of the Lord. We lose out on the things that God wants to do in our lives. That could change the trajectory of our lives forever. Because a guy that doesn't even like us to begin with. We're trying to please them. And nothing changed my life more than to becoming a true worshiper. Jesus in John chapter 4 says that the time is coming and now is. that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I want to be a part of the game. I don't want to lose my hour of opportunity. And then I moved to to Lincoln, Nebraska, USA. (laughs) And they say, Pastor Solo, you don't know the Nebraskans. They're so conservative men. If you get them to open their mouth, you're good. Because they'll be praising God with you there. These guys don't, don't have any... They have passion, but you'll never see it. I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? And the thing that they're most proud about is Nebraska Cornhuskers. Everybody wanted me to see a game. I went to the first game, 
I said, you lied to me. The passion I saw at Memorial Stadium, random people just like, go be great. And thousands of people go, go be great. Granted, some of them had a little bit of some spirit inside to kind of motivate that. But we have the Holy Spirit. So I realized that all that conservative thing was a bunch of lie. We could give it on the people at the game, but we hold it back for God. And oftentimes, it's not because of bad intentions. It's because we become slaves to our religion and traditions. God put every emotion inside of you, every component of affection he put inside of you to magnify and to glorify his name because even as we are made right now, we don't have the full capacity to praise him completely. And he's giving us an opportunity every time to join with angelic hosts in the spiritual realm and we can praise him with all everything that is within us, with all that I have, I'm going to praise you. And as you do, things on earth change. Things in your life change. Things in your family change. You're making declaration and annihilating all the plans of the enemy, tossing it, certain things, you're going to be done, but he says, no, I'm not going to be done, even if you beat me five times, I'm going to praise God anyway, I'm going to be up and up all the time, I'm going to praise him when I'm sick, I'm going to praise him when I'm broken, I'm going to praise him at every time of my life, I'm going to praise God because I'm a person of praise, you start doing that at the devil, he'll leave you alone, Jesus wants us to be people of praise, amen, And when we become real people of praise, we win every single time. We win every single time. That was Palm Sunday was all about. He wanted to demonstrate and say, hey, if you don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. I'm not going to let any rock cry out in my place. That I've already made that deal, it's not going to happen. Are you ready to praise God? Why don't we stand up right now and just give him a shout of praise in the house. Come on, give him a shout of praise. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus.